The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? We need to have expectations because that's how the human brain is built. And by the way, 99.9% of your expectations are met. You only notice when you're... 0.1%, absolutely. You only notice when they're not met. You expect to be sewn up after surgery. You expect to not have a roach in your salad. You expect the sun to come up every day. You expect those things and those expectations are met, but you only notice them when they're not because you didn't get that hit of serotonin to the brain. Because when your expectation is met, even walking across the street when the light turns green, don't you love when that happens? You hit that corner exactly when the green light goes on, that's your expectation, and you get a little hit of serotonin. You only notice when you're disappointment, right? You only notice when through your disappointment. You only notice that you're disappointment because you didn't get the hit. And by the way, not getting the hit means that you're going through unmet needs. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Dr. V, also known as Dr. Venus Nicolino, or I should say that the opposite way around, but we're not restarting because I'm sparing my producer, Brian, a headache. Um, He's laughing back there at me because I like to redo my intros a thousand times over. Not going to happen today. Not going to happen. So in today's episode, actually, funny story. Dr. V was actually the psychotherapist that was on Pretty Wild, and I had no idea until she showed up today, which is such a trip. And now I remember how we met, what our session was like, filming at her house. I mean, just such a small, small world. Um, But she's basically the cooler female version of Dr. Drew. Sorry, Dr. Drew. I like you a lot too, but she's quite the badass. She's a TV shrink and she just wrote an amazing book called Bad Advice, How to Survive and Thrive in an Age of Bullshit. And in this week's episode, we are going over all of the bad advice that we've gotten over over the years, diving into why it's bad advice, and then going over some of the things that you guys submitted to me on Instagram, the bad relationship and dating advice that you've gotten over the years. It's a great episode. I hope you guys really like it. And so with that, here is Dr. V. One of the things that you say in your new book, Bad Advice, um, you know, that that I've heard so many times is you can't love anyone until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I thought about what kept me alive in those first 90 days of sobriety. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I was going to love myself. It was loving the other people that I met that said, me too, and that hurt, and I had that same experience, and building these bonds and these friendships, it kept me alive 
for that first, really the first year of my sobriety. The love that you feel for, for others, others and yeah. the love that they feel for you. Yeah. And so what I did with with this book is I, I took these sort of catchphrases and advice that we hear all the time and which, by the way, are uh, disseminated everywhere through Facebook and Instagram. And it's like now we have um, – these sayings and these theories that are <laughs> going out everywhere. So you'll see a, you know, a lighthouse with a solitary bird on it talking about, you know, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. And I set out to find out, is this scientifically and biologically true? Are these things real? And you might ask yourself, well, what does it matter? Theories matter. We once lived our life thinking that the world was flat and we revolved our lives around a flat world. We once thought that bloodletting was healthful. We once thought that lobotomies was what we should be doing. That you could smoke during uh, pregnancy. Exactly. So theories matter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important that we understand the theories that we're living by. So what if those theories are wrong? What if you can't love anyone until you love yourself is a bunch of bullshit? What if that happens? Then what do you do? And when we say you can't love anyone until you love yourself, I just want to say scientifically and biologically, you're loving people all day long. In this interview, you and I are exchanging chemicals. We're feeling human beings. That is what we are meant to do. So you're going to love. You may not do that well but you're going to love people. And yourself, the self that we're talking about on this phrase, you can't love anybody until you love yourself, doesn't give a fuck about how you feel about you. Your love doesn't care because you are human. You're built to love others. I mean, biologically, it doesn't make sense either because it's like we can love our children you know, despite mm -hmm. like all the negative feelings I might be feeling about myself, like I love those kids oh so much. I mean, yes. they're my whole world. I, that is actually an example that I give in the book. We don't apply this to parental love. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we only apply this bullshit to really romantic love. And you're right. I love tremendous amounts of people with enormous amounts of self-hatred and I love them well. And I, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and part of loving them well helps me hate myself less, you know? Like, and, and while that may sound codependent, every loving relationship has the basis of codependency. Every love does. And we've vilified that term. Um, we sort of taken it over and made it yucky and bad and wrong. But at the end of the day, being in love and loving other people requires a level of codependency. How would we have survived back in the day when we operated in tribes, right? And we we needed to live in tribes in order to survive against imminent threat, um, the need to eat, all of these things while we're child rearing and all of these things. We all had our role. How would we have possibly survived without some level of codependency mm -hmm. of I need you in yes. order to survive? Yes, Quite literally. Yeah. And I feel like— Even with your children. Mm-hmm. They I, need you. Yes, they do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I feel like you're right. I mean, that was a big aha moment for me just now. It's like we so vilify the codependence, um, but we need to 
love mm-hmm. and rely on each other. And in this world, and I talk about this in every episode, and I'm sorry, you guys, you're probably getting sick of me saying it, but when we moved um, away from caring about the collective and idolizing the individual, that's why we're seeing such high rates of mental health issues and depression and anxiety because we're not actually supposed to operate as just individuals in this dog-eat-dog world. We actually need the connection Mm -hmm. of having a lot of people in our lives that we love and care for and that care about us. Mm -hmm. Connection and cooperation is what makes the world still go round. And the only reason the human race is still here is because of those two things cooperation and connection. And all of the research, I I don't want to bore your listeners, I just want to throw this out here, but all of the research that was done on uh, chimps in terms of how we relate to one another, um, it was all skewed because they were feeding the chimps. So once you create your own, like you're viewing this research through your own life, and then you're making the research your own. So this idea that we're warlike creatures, okay, that research is wrong and completely outdated because we are not warlike. We're only here because of connection and love and community. What you're really talking about is community. Um, And that is what seems to have disappeared a little bit, maybe even a lot. We don't need more psychologists. We don't need more mental health professionals. We need more community, more love, good friends, support systems that we can rely on no matter what, unconditional love. And people might say, well, that was never there. That's not true. It was there. No, it was. It was there. Um, Absolutely. And I feel like uh technology's played a huge role in this too where we think we're connected cuz mm-hmm. we're communicating through a phone but that's not mm-hmm. actual connection Mm-mm. that's not the same thing as having you know it's an amazing gift when my husband's in china for 8 days and my kids want to see their dad and mm-hmm. facetime great mm-hmm. um but not actually having that touch Mm -hmm. and that feeling of like, you've really got my back and we're here for each other and it's going to be okay. You know, it, that you can't get that through a phone or a computer or an iPad. You can't, you can't get those things. And yet people struggle to get those things. And, and, And like you had said in the, uh, in the case of, of, um, being far away, maybe even someone who is agoraphobic and afraid to leave the house, those kinds of connections become incredibly meaningful. Um, so in these kinds of instances, technology is a, is a good thing. Um, even just exchanging information, you know, is, is a good thing. So I'm, I'm not here to like kind of put down technology. I, I think what's important is that we attempt to maintain real in-person contact with people because people help us feel things all day long, right? And sometimes what they help us feel may not be good. And that's okay because you have to figure out how to deal with some of those feelings. Um, So that you can't love anyone until you love yourself um, is such shit advice. And it's really what someone says to another person when perhaps love hasn't worked out for them. So Now the message is, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. You're too dumb at love. You didn't love right. 
You were wrong in how you loved because you don't love yourself. I mean, talk about, well, I mean, so, so now you're being blamed, you know what I mean? For Because your relationship didn't work out. Um, and it implies a sequence of events. First, I love me, then I can love you. And that just isn't true. That sequence of events doesn't happen like that. Love doesn't happen like that. Love is co-created. And you have all these people, Justin Bieber, love yourself, love yourself. You know, the BTS band, love yourself, love yourself, on and on and on. But nobody tells you how. You know why? Because it's impossible to love yourself in the way that you would love someone else. Now, if we're talking about vigilant self-care, I got you. I get it. But to say you can't love anyone until you love yourself and combining those two things with the love you feel for someone else and the love you feel for you doesn't make sense. What a bunch of bullshit. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Talkspace. Obviously, you're here because you like the fact that we're talking about mental health on this podcast on a regular basis. And while listening to this podcast is amazing and does provide you guys with value, I think that nothing compares to the help of coaching and seeing a licensed therapist. Do you ever feel like New Year's and this time of year just reminds you of every single thing that you didn't get done in the year before? I cannot be the only one. We all have habits that we want to kick in 2020, but you don't have to set unrealistic goals to make a positive change. Without support, sometimes goals can feel totally impossible. That's why 8% of Americans actually stick to their New Year's resolution. There's no one-size-fits-all way to meet your goal. Want a sustainable way to make lasting change? Why not give Talkspace a try? It's the most convenient and affordable way to get the support of a licensed therapist. Match with one of over 5,000 therapists based on your preferences from the privacy of your own device. Start messaging with your therapist the very same day via text, audio, picture, or video. Your therapist will provide ongoing guidance and support so you can see concrete change at your own pace. It's like a personal trainer for your life, and it doesn't get better than that, guys. And you never need to go to an office or schedule appointments weeks and weeks in advance. Start 2020 off strong with Talkspace. It's the support you need to achieve your goals at the price that you can afford. And you can get $100 off your first month when you use the code Alexis25 when you sign up. Don't wait for another year to go by. No matter what 2019 was like, set yourself up for success in 2020. Match with your perfect therapist today at Talkspace.com or download the mobile app. And don't forget to use code Alexis25 for $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com, promo code Alexis25. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill from Breaking Beauty Podcast. And every single Wednesday, we chat about the skin, hair, and makeup musts that are actually worth the spend. And you'll hear from the industry's top founders about how they broke into the business with their best-selling beauty product. We also deliver the best in beauty tips from insiders like Kim Kardashian's makeup artist, Makeup by Mario, and hair guru, Jen Atkin. And as beauty editors ourselves, we personally review the damn good products that you need on your top shelf right now. Listen for free every week week for your ultimate beauty fix. Ready, Jill? Like, like a, a cherry, cherry bomb. bomb. One thing that you just said that was another point in your book that I think is great um, 
you had said, uh, people can't hurt you. That's just such a crock of shit. Oh, yeah. So the bad advice is, you know, when you're, when you've had hurt feelings or you feel sad over something, someone says, nobody can make you feel bad without your permission. When was the last time you gave someone permission to help you feel bad? When did you give them permission? Never, never happened. You never gave them permission. And that would also mean that you need to give permission to people to help you feel good. This is just a bunch of nonsense. And people can absolutely help you feel bad. And it totally writes off their responsibility for their shit. Like I was just saying when you walked in, the girl who started in on my kids talking shit about me and bringing up my kids on Instagram, that fucking sucked. You're a bitch. Like, that was mean. That was a mean thing to do. Right. And I'm not giving her permission. And most of the time, it is like, you know, water on a duck's back for me. But when you bring up the kids stuff, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's my weak spot. Mm -hmm. And that hurts. And I won't tolerate it. Yeah. Yeah. You never gave that person person permission to To hurt you you or to help you feel bad. And it's a, in a way, it's, it's kind of victim blaming, you know? It's total, it's gaslighting. Totally. Totally. A hundred percent. No one can make you feel bad without your permission. What a crock of shit. You know, one of, one of my other ones that I like in the book is expectations lead to disappointment. So like, don't have any expectations. So I talk about this scientifically and biologically. And I, again, I don't want your listeners to fall asleep as soon as you say research, people just their eyes close. I think they Uh, like um, it. So, uh, the idea you are built to have expectations. You're going to have expectations because that is how we have survived through centuries and centuries, our expectation of when we would be killed, of when we would be eaten, of when we need to have expectations because that's how the human brain is built. And by the way, 99.9% of your expectations are met. You only notice when you're- 0.1%, absolutely. You only notice when they're not met. You expect to be sewn up after surgery. You expect to not have a roach in your salad. You expect the sun to come up every day. You expect those things and those expectations are met, but you only notice them when they're not because you didn't get that hit of serotonin to the brain. Because when your expectation is met, even walking across the street when the light turns green, don't you love when that happens? You hit that corner exactly when the green light goes on. That's your expectation. And you get a little hit of serotonin. You only notice when you're disappointment, right? You only notice when through your disappointment. You only notice that you're disappointment because you didn't get the hit. And by the way, not getting the hit means that you're going through unmet needs. The fact that your expectation wasn't met and you're disappointed now points to needs that aren't being met. So your expectation and your disappointment is incredibly valuable. So expectations may lead to disappointment, but they also may lead to your greatest potential self, the things that you want, the things that you deserve. And sometimes when they are unrealistic, then you have the insight of that too. I mean, I um, uh, have been working for the last several years um, as a birth doula 
and everyone has these birth plans. And I say, let's have a birth preferences list instead of a birth plan list because birth is unpredictable. Let's have realistic expectations. So that way, if you're so set on like, we're having a home birth, we're having a home birth, we're having a home birth, and then we end up having a C-section, you're not heartbroken and, and, you know, just because you could not have seen that as a possibility. So mm-hmm. let's have real, let's, let's take a look at all of this and just go, okay, this might happen mm-hmm. and we don't want it to happen. And we're going to do everything we can to make it so that way it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, this is a very real possibility. And so you need to have those. Mm-hmm. And that isn't really about your expectations. It's about other, uh, other avenues and roads that open up that possibly the other person isn't seeing because their mind is so narrow yeah. and they have one expectation, right? Yes, and exactly. so as a doula, you bring several expectations. Yeah. Like, let's look at this whole thing. Right. And I do that right. because of my own experience. Um, I wanted a home birth. No one was going to look at my vagina. I was going to basically deliver her on my own. I just wanted my midwife there for like safety. And then I pushed her butt out at home and we had an emergency C-section. Well, uh, that was a shocker a to me. It was yeah, a shift. Because I was like, this is not happening. I right. am having the home birth. I'm having the birth that I want. And I didn't, you know, when I was listening in birth classes, which my husband did, you know, a whole weekend intensive thing, when they started talking about epidurals and C-section, all of that stuff, I just shut my ears and was like, no, eh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm having a water birth at home with flowers in the water and this is what it's going to look like. Right, and- right. <laughs> You know, there's going to be no blood. It's all going to be rose dye. I mean, parenting gives us like the most amazing uh, kind of reality check into like, oh, you actually have very little control Mm -hmm. over a lot in Mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. Um, That was probably one of the very, very first lessons. I want to dive a little bit into this sex and love advice that people have gotten that that's bad advice. But what was the worst advice you ever had? Oh, Jesus. I've had so much bad advice. Um, The first thing that comes to mind, because we were talking about my husband, is don't marry him. You're crazy. You're crazy to go and meet some guy in Mexico that you've barely known, you know, and and get married. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you're too young to have children. Mm -hmm. Well, their expectation of you uh, got in the way, right? Mm -hmm. So their expectation of you perhaps making... Poor, poor choice, choice. Poor choices, yes. right? And then the same thing, having uh, my baby so young. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody had a say about mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> it's only been in the last 20 years that women are now in their 40s having yeah. children. That yeah. was never a thing. You right. were knocked up by 23. Right. Like, that was the norm. I'm the, I'm actually the norm. Right. Uh, well, you can have a baby when and, you want. And, and you can have a baby yeah. when you want. But it was just this whole, like, societal view of, like, oh, you're too young. Yeah. You haven't gone to college yet. You haven't done all of these things. Yeah. Um, and, and their closed-minded view of you. And that's another thing that we, you know, we once we feel as though we know someone, we have a fixed image of who they are in our mind. Mm-hmm. Um. But that person, anything and anyone is bound to change at any moment. Yeah. 
You don't know what that shift is going right. to be. And it can happen really fast and it can be totally life-changing. You Absolutely. don't know what it's going to be. So we have to have an open mind about the people who are in front of us yeah. and that their ability to change and shift and, and move. And we also have to recognize our own thing. Like, oh, is this coming up for me because of my own experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You your, know, your expectations of yourself of, and others, right? Yes. Um yeah. The worst advice I ever got, <laughs> it's a little bit lighthearted and a little bit crude, but I feel that, you, but it's okay. We're in a safe place. Um, so I, on the night that I met my husband, um, the worst advice someone ever gave me was, look, if you don't want to have sex with someone, don't shave your vagina or your legs because that will stop you, Right. The shame of your own hair because oh we live in a my gr- we live in like oh my god your vagina's hair on it that's so gross you know we live in that world How so this was funny. like you know I guess I was twenty three or so and someone's like if you don't want oh have and sex, the whole idea too that your yeah. the you know future husband would not Maybe like so, you if you were exactly like you know what I mean? as if he even cares he's like hairy or shaven exactly. I don't care it does the same thing as if all the men out there are maxim frat boys you know <laughs> so I thought to myself, but well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe this is really good advice. Like, I'm just going to not shave my legs. I'm not going to shave my vagina so that I feel super shameful about my own body. And therefore, I don't follow my instincts to fuck whoever I want, right? That's the bullshit we put on women. So I'm with my husband. It's our first date. We fucked on the first date and we've been fucking ever since. Harry, pussy and all. There you go. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. And I was like, what horrific advice. <laughs> <laughs> you screwed me, bitch. <laughs> I mean, my first, my my first vaginal showing to my husband was a hairy bush. A, a hairy for bush. Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my God. And did you have children? Yes. So, so he's seen your pussy at all different all, all crazy different stages. stages. Now. Yes, all different yes. stages. I'll never forget this look on my husband's face when I asked him to massage my perineum when I was like nine and a half months pregnant. And at my bush must have been insane because you can't Queen. shave. You, Queen. It's like, what can you do? I mean, unless someone's going to wax you, you're fucked. And I remember his face going, you want me to do what? I'm like, yeah. And I remember asking him before my birth, I'm like, can you shave for me, please? Yeah. This I don't, I can't. And he's like, I just can't do that. I can't do that. He didn't have my back for that one. Dude, dudes out there, we gotta look at your fucking ball sack. <laughs> we like, get put out of here. In our mouth. Like, get the fuck out of here. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I no, I, this whole, we live, but it's true. We live in a world yes. that promotes penis. The penis. We know so exactly true. what it does. Yeah. It gets hard. It pees. It comes. We know exactly what this thing does. Meanwhile, we're over here yeah. calling our vaginas vaginas, but yeah. really it's our vulva that we're yeah, talking exactly. about. We don't have any fucking idea yeah. what we're talking about and when it comes to vaginas. And some women don't even know where their clitoris is. I don't I know it. Not only that, they don't know that their vagina is a muscle that is meant to open and stretch yes. for childbirth. It goes back. You don't need the yeah. fucking sexist husband stitch. Your vagina yeah. is going to heal yeah. just fine. It's going to do what it was meant to do. Yeah. What is that bullshit called? The, the husband stitch. The husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's fuck get the fuck out of here. So, horrible. So we don't have. There's some bad advice. Oh, terrible for all advice. all of the people who are saying, get the husband <laughs> stitch. Don't. That's a great way to have really painful sex for the rest of your fucking life. No, it really is. And we don't live 
in a society that talks about women's bodies in a very pro-sex kind of way. So whenever we're talking about our bodies, and I hear women talk too like this, and even even your husband, like shocked that he would have to like look at your vagina. It's like, God forbid, yeah. your, just, your when kids it comes to, come out yeah, of there. Well, when it comes to birth stuff, he's like, you know, if we can just skip that. But, but, I, I, mean. but I get, you know what, but I get it. I get the, the fear of the unknown. The fact that it's unknown annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Because it should be known. Men and women well, should know their nice? bodies. Wouldn't it be nice if our children saw us give birth, if our husband saw us give birth, if our children saw us nursing their siblings in public and all this? The whole reason why everyone's all up in arms about breastfeeding in public is a because breast. they associate it with a sexual <gasps> yes. thing. And because your body because- can't be anything other than that. Exactly. Yeah. And the whole idea of, well, this is not something that I saw growing up, so it must be taboo or weird, yeah. when really it's just me feeding my fucking child, yeah. which I'm going to do anywhere else except for a bathroom. Good for you. Sorry. Yep. So, Good for you. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Cured and pause your fingers before you try to push the fast forward button because this is a product that I need you guys to know about. If you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I have been a fan of Cured for many, many months now. I don't BS when it comes to promoting products either on this platform or on my social media. Cured Nutrition is a CBD line that I love and use on a regular basis. And let me tell you why. They don't just offer CBD. CBD is great. We all know it. But they also offer these amazing capsules. They're blends. Um, One is called Rise and one is called Zen. I personally love the Zen nighttime blend. It's got these amazing mushrooms. It helps you feel calm and relaxed and get a super restful night's sleep. They also gave me some dog treats when my dog had um, cancer and she absolutely loved them. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. Their mushroom plus CBD blends, full-spectrum nibbles, tinctures, and treats work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of a psychoactive component. Plus, how many other companies can say that their products are locally sourced and crafted in-house. Right now, you can go to curednutrition.com, and when you place an order of $50 or more, you get 25% off with code Alexis25 at checkout. Again, that's curednutrition.com. Enter code Alexis25 at checkout for 25% off your purchase of $50 or more. Thanks for hanging in there with me, guys. Now back to the episode. So, I think that some of these are really sad, and I'm glad that these people realize that this is bad advice. Um, Someone said, he's a twin, so you'll just have to get used to uh, him telling his brother about your sex life. Oh. So I guess she's dating a twin. Twin. My husband's an identical twin. And so her friend's just saying, well, just get used to it. Mm -mm. Oh, another piece of bad advice from me was um, I finally reported my sexual abuse and this is going to out my abuser but I don't really give a fuck anymore and I reported to the cop it's been many many years later I was abused from five to seven years old and raped by uh, incest 
And the cop said, well, you know, sometimes brothers and sisters just do that kind of thing. Wow. Like, just so, just, wow. nah, let it go. You know, it's like, it's playing house. Yeah. It's like, no, I was five and he was 15. I am so, so sorry you that know, that was the response you. you got. Yeah, I mean, talk about re-traumatizing. Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, talk about how sad it is that our officers are so, just not at all trained in how to be empathetic right. and to be you know to how to deal with trauma victims i mean we all we live our, our world is about our attitudes and our beliefs mm-hmm. which add up to our isms which add up to um what the police officer said to you sexism yeah that that's well that's you know boys will be boys and that'll happen and blah 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 and that's just not the way the world works. And I'm so happy to see women, hear women who are who feel empowered to talk about their bodies, who feel empowered to come forward in situations mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's really refreshing because it feels as though that there is this shift happening. Um, you know, even in, in, in marriages, like we need to make marriage work for women and every quality of life measure. Um, a man's quality when, of life when he's married will go up. Yes. He'll make more money. Yes. He has more I, sex I've than a single counterpart. We don't get married for our for us no. to be taken care of. It's yeah. for them to be taken care of yeah. the rest of their lives. And we see this in self-report. We see this in every quality of life measure that their pay will go up. They have more sex than their single counterparts. Um, they live longer for women. On every quality of life measure, their life goes down. Their quality of life goes down. So we need to help marriage. We need to reinvent what marriage looks like so that women can benefit. To this day, working women are the disciplinary in the house. They're cooking. They're cleaning. They're They're doing all the homework. They're doing everything. They're doing everything. I know. It's been a big adjustment. So I just went back to work in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Up until then, I was a stay-at-home. Well, it's actually interesting because when my husband and I first met, I was the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And then I got pregnant. And at eight months, I said, I'm done. I want to be a stay-at-home mom because I wanted to break the cycle of trauma for my kid. I wanted to have the attachment, parenting, the nursing, however long I want. I wanted takes time. I want the whole thing. It takes time. Right. And that's my full-time job Mm -hmm. now. And then, you know, and then we had a second baby and I, so I had a toddler and a baby and I took that time off and then I had to go back to work because um, my husband's business burned down in the fires and we didn't know Mm -hmm. what was going to transpire if we were going to be able to survive or not. And oh my God, it's been a fucking adjustment. Mm-hmm. And we're still trying to figure it out. I'd say mm-hmm. of the things that we fight about, that's that's what it is. It's, he pulled his weight before. He walked the dog twice a day. He cleaned up the dog's poop. He um, fed the dog. He would clean up dinners after I would cook them. He uh, would grab the mail. He would, you know, switch out the trash. He would take the trash out and put in a new bag, things like that. But I did everything else, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think he really realized how much it was until I went back to work and I hit a burnout period about, I don't want to, I wanted to, maybe five months ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't fucking do this. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I can't have, Mm -hmm. I be the sexy wife, have my needs met, you know, and, and meanwhile, he goes to jujitsu four days a week. 
He's away from the family. Two of those are nights. Um, he doesn't get home until 9 o'clock because he's out with his buddies. He, you know, gets the lunch break at work. He, he's never done homework with my daughter once before a I few just, months ago. I don't Jesus. know how women all over the world are not revolting. Again, in the streets, burning their bras again. I just don't understand this. Um, I mean, I made it very clear to my husband 20-something years ago, I'm not cleaning. I'm not doing your wash. That's not who I am. I'm not one of the... That's not who I am. And I refuse to be... Just because we're married, that now I'm taking care of this, taking care of that, doing everything, doing that. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. So... I was lucky, or I mean, can you imagine? That's a term I'm using. I was lucky enough to have a very pro-woman husband who was very much, you go and And you do you and we're going to work together. My husband's so about that. I think he just got used to that. Because when I was a stay-at-home wife and mother, um. You know, he provided me with a very cushy life. So I was just grateful. I'm like, we can fuck whenever you want. You know, you want to get me. I want this car. I want this bag. I want blah, 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 blah. I want to go to Disneyland. I want yeah. an annual pass with the kid. I want the whole thing. And he, and I'm like, I'm happy. I'll do the laundry. You know, I'll do the homework. I'll do all of these things. And so I think that we just got used to this whole thing. And then I went back to work and it was, it fucking threw a bomb yeah. into the whole thing. Yeah. And now, thankfully, he was like, okay, let's get a cleaning lady twice a week in here. She can keep up with the laundry. She can do the tidying up. Yeah. Um, you know, let's hire help after school with the kids so you're not rushing home from work and only working in the mornings until three mm-hmm. when you can do pickup. Let's all of these things. But geez, it it that is a huge and I'm sure a lot of women uh, just feel like how I felt, which is you should just be grateful. He's a great provider. And your job is never done, right? Your no, job is you never get off. You're not, you're like, you're up at two in the morning with the kids. He and- was good about that, especially with the second baby. Oh my God, <laughs> because we had a toddler too. And right. so he, he was very, right. he would change her diaper and bring her to meet a nurse and all of that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so that was better. But geez, Louise. My husband got up with our kids. I need my sleep. So if you want me in a good mood during the day, you're going to do your work at night. And he loved it. It was like his time to like bond with both boys. He just loved it. Um, and so I think, you know, we rob men. Not only do women feel this, but we also rob men of an experience that they should be having too, right? The idea of fatherhood and what that looks like is finally changing where more and more men are involved with their kids. Um, for example, <clears throat> my husband goes to the school stuff. I'm, that's not my, that's not oh, my strong Evan, suit. Evan, are you listening? Come on. <laughs> Let's split it 50-50. Fuck. 50-50. Because he, he, he knows that's not my strong, that's not my area of you know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm a listener. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm. They come to me with all of their problems. I'm the problem solver. I'm. The, but when it comes to the school shit, I I just can't. For whatever reason, he takes care of that, and I have that. Um, you know. But even he believes. I think he. And I'm going to go home and ask him this now. Now that we're talking <laughs> this through, I think he believes in his mind that he's a better father than he actually should be. 
Like, 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 have you ever seen that? Like when a man picks up the baby, like, <gasps> what a good job. Oh, I changed a diaper. Did, 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 fuck oh, you. Do you know how many diapers I have I changed? Know. You know, like, I know. Like it's so, for just being a parent. Wanting the accolades. You know I mean? it's like, yes. It's like, no, your, your husband is not babysitting for you. It's called being, being a dad. A dad yes. That's what that's called. Yeah. Um, so for all you working mothers out there, I just want to let you know, I applaud you. I take mm-hmm. my hat off to you. We support you and we need to be more supportive of other mothers instead of mother shaming them and judging them. Yeah. And One thing that I realized um, when I started working in, in birth work and stuff and and spending more time with moms as I became one was that we all, if the woman, if she chose a Mm -hmm. C-section at 39 weeks, there was a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And we may not know what that is, but there's a reason for it, whether it's a fear or something that she's been told or past sexual abuse or whatever it is, there's a reason. Um, I have my hard nose. I don't believe in spanking, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, Good, uh, because but, science doesn't <coughs> science agrees. That, science agrees, it, it agrees with agrees you. Agrees with me. <laughs> I, but I don't think that we're going to help other moms make informed decisions and healthy decisions, uh, whether it's about their own lives or about child rearing, by shaming them into you know shaming people into submission never works. It never. just leads to them feeling more hopeless and uh, beating themselves up more often. I mean, there often. is so much mommy shaming out there that yeah. it makes me so mad. It really does. Um, and I said up front, I, this is how I handled it. I'm I'm an awful mom. I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> we all feel this. I, we I all feel this. I'm not claiming to be yeah. a good mother, so say whatever the fuck you want. Because I, you know what I mean? Like, I've already taken that power away from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, don't we all feel that, though? I mean, I lay my head on the pillow at the end of the night, and it doesn't matter the million and one great things I did for my kid that day. I'm like, oh, my God, when I yelled at her after she didn't put her shoes on for the 18th time, I'm a bad mom, you know? Or when I had an amazing day with my kids yesterday, and then my daughter, after I picked her up from um, preschool— she started throwing this temper tantrum in the car and I tried everything. And then I eventually just got out of the car, shut the door and stood by the door and just let her scream it out because I could not listen to the screaming anymore. And then I, you know, at night when I went to bed, I was like, fuck, I'm a horrible parent. She's totally going to remember that. And forever she's going to be scarred because mommy left her in the car to cry. She's going to be talking about you in therapy, about how she was left. I hope she goes, I hope they go to therapy. (laughs) That's all I care about. Just go to therapy, process your own childhood, deal with it. So I have two boys, 11 and 13. And they're 11 or 13 now, but this was a couple of years ago where my younger one came to me and, and he said, you know, you know, mom, I, I feel like you love Ledger more. Mm. That's my older son's name, my, I get that from my older daughter. I feel like you love him more. And this is the kind of parent I am. <laughs> I turned to him and I said, Ledger, Ledger's a douchebag. <laughs> I don't love him more. I love you more. <laughs> and it just took all, all of all the, the power away. It took a, it just burst all of that tension. And he has such a good sense of humor. He we were laugh. He was laughing along with me, and he never felt bad again. But that's me. Like that's how I parent. Mm-hmm. But if you would tell any like parenting expert, which I don't even think I really believe in them, but if you if you told it, they'd be like, oh my god, that's such an awful thing to say. Mm-hmm. But that's just I parent that way. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 
So, yeah. mommy, mommy, wait, hit me. Well, hit him back. You know, yeah. I, you know like, <laughs> you're like, I don't, I can, I have no more mental space yeah, for this I, in we, my day anymore. Exactly. Um, we'll wrap with these. I just wanted to go over a couple of these because they're they're so good and and on in line with what we're talking about is. Um, he's being mean because he has a crush on you. I I hate when I hear parents saying mm. that to their little girls that, yeah. oh, he's just mean because he really likes you. Let's stop it with that. That's yeah. horrible advice. Mean is mean. Mean is mean. And, and I wanted to go back to the la- the other question or the last piece of bad advice, which was you just have to get used to... Your boyfriend telling, you know, his brother about your se- okay. every detail of your sex life. Okay. Well, just whoever called in with that. I just want to say, um, you're allowed to have a conversation with your boyfriend about the privacy Mm -hmm. of your sex life. Um, that's super important. If you're going to be moving on with this person, trust is everything. So if you feel that your secrets are being revealed to an outside party, you don't want that, that, that deserves a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing is don't kiss your friends. You know, it's not, it'll ruin the relationship. I have made out <laughs> with so many of my friends. Do you know how many tongues I have touched? <laughs> <laughs> and we're still friends all of these years later. Wow. You so, know, like so, as as if we're not capable of being friends with our exes. Yeah. And just having like a real, yeah, no. Hmm. Yeah, that's a no for me. Bad advice. Um, And then the last one is just funny. I mean, okay, we got fake it, of course. Let's mm-hmm. not fake it. Um, well, I'll tell you, a large percentage of women fake it. I know they do. And it doesn't do men or, or women. You, a, you're doing a disservice. A, an, an incredible disservice to your body, to yourself, and to your your male counterpart, whether it's yes. uh, you know a fuck buddy, whether it's your husband, whether it's or a female friend. female counterpart. Or a female counterpart. Like, whatever it may be, faking it doesn't help anyone. And I know it's so enticing to do when your needs aren't being met. Learn how to express what you need yeah. because you deserve that. Yeah. If you're going to have somebody else touch your body, make sure yeah. they're touching it in a meaningful way that brings you pleasure too. And back to like the having a great marriage eight years later is that our sex life is amazing. And while we don't have sex as much as we used to because we've got two little kids and we both work, mm-hmm. we're tired. It's that the that we have great sex and it's because of communication of mm-hmm. I like this, I don't like that. Tilt it this way, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> and but and things change not yes. only just after yes, kids, kids, but yes. also after. Five years, ten years, things yeah. change for you. Yes, and they do. Your your husband or your wife, they're not mind readers. Mm-hmm. You have to let people know of changes. hundred percent. And then the last one, which is hilarious, is anything from 17 or Cosmo from 2006 to 2014, which I think is so great. It's just all <laughs> bad advice. You know, how to give the perfect blowjob. It's like, no. Um, spare us. Yes, um, please. So thank you so much for coming on. That was great. Uh, where can everybody find you? Well, number one, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, people can find me, and this is a brain teaser every time people ask, so excuse me if it's not correct. I'll put it in the show notes, you guys. <laughs> thank you, It'll thank be you. in the show notes. Uh, Dr. underscore V underscore is my Instagram, I think. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore V underscore. 
Um, and you can find me on Twitter at a similar name. <laughs> okay. I don't know. She is, she's doctor yes. underscore V underscore. Yes, I got it right. Yes. We got to work on that. Yeah, Somehow thank you. we're going to find you a new a new <laughs> handle. Um, but follow along with her and pick up her new book, Bad Advice, How to Survive and Thrive in an Age of Bullshit. Yep. Thank I you. I love it. All righty. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Bye. This week's affirmation is, I find happiness in life by slowing down and appreciating the little things in it. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality.com or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 